Washed up. Sorry? Welcome to the island of discarded women, my friend. I used to be somebody. Are you that woman on the radio? Your island job is peladora de papas. Uh, sorry, what? Potato peeler. 87% match for uh, your skills. Okay, that's not... Anyway, what is the second best match then? Host of the Island Podcast. Are you kidding me? No, no, see, that's me. That, that's perfect for me. That's the... with us tonight. So hot. Oh, it is hot. Hello, hot. Sue. Hello, Mary. Yes, Mary, oh, look, it's Lorna gosh. Landvik. I found Lorna Landvik, author of The Lost Circle of Love. Yes, that's your latest book, right? Yeah. Yep, yep. Mary, Mary. Okay, so it's these women, these church... Oh, you describe it. It's your book. You describe it. You tell okay, Mary. Okay. Tell Mary it, what it's it, about. It's about a church circle in a shabby Lutheran church that's failing, they're trying to raise money, they don't know what, to, you know, their hot dish jamboree failed, mm. they, they, they're out of recipes, they can't make any more recipe books, so they decide to write a new kind of book about erotica. Oh, yeah. well, where did this idea come from, Lorna Landvik? How many people or people's mothers were in church circles? Right on. Yeah, there. Church circles are kind of like service groups, social groups, spiritual groups. They do a lot of good work, and my mother's was really fun. Yeah. They had a lot of uh, laughs. And going through her papers after she died, I didn't find any stock options, but oh. um, hmm. I found oh. a little mimeographed, folded-up paper that she had saved called. Real Church Bulletin bloopers. Really? Yes, and these were things that some harried church secretary typist had printed, and they actually got in the church bulletins that you would sit there in church and open up and read. For example, um, so pretend you're in church, you open up your bulletin, and our next hymn will be Angels We Have Heard Get High. (laughs) (laughs) Don't let worry kill you. Let the church help. (laughs) At the evening service tonight, the sermon topic will be, what is hell? Come early and listen to our choir practice. And Thursday at 5 p.m., there will be a meeting of the Little Mothers Club. All ladies wishing to become little mothers will meet with the pastor in his study. So they were full of wow. that. Yeah, yeah. And I just wanted to honor that kind of woman. Yeah. I did want to call the book The ABCs of Erotica, but my publisher said no. Erotica. Oh. Literature or art intended to arouse sexual desire. Yeah, yeah. She was really concerned mm, so that, that my name and erotica would show up on all these, you know, websites yeah. and, and attract the arousal literature crowd. Oh. oh. I could not found arousal literature. Did you mean graphic novels? 
No, 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 Mary. That's a whole different thing. Graphic novels are, uh, you know, they're written or they're drawn by cartoonists. I, I don't, I don't really understand. So is, what? What, is, what, what? is Mary like a Me. chat bot or is she no. like an AI? No, no, she's chat she's, bot. she's a virtual assistant. That's just it. That's Forgive it. me for not understanding. Okay, but well, 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 you well, know, well. I know they're both AI generated, right, but, right, right. but what's the difference? Mary, what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a chatbot? Chatbots are limited in their ability to understand complex queries, whereas an AI assistant can use deep learning algorithms to better understand user intent. See? That's it. It's just that simple. That, uh, See, everybody knows that. Don't we all know that? No. See, we know no. that. See, it, right? That's not right? simple, Sue. No. I, I just don't understand. So an AI assistant, is she more human-like? or Right, Wait. Mary? You're more human-like? You... I'm sorry. I didn't understand the question. Well, okay. Either way, AI is sure a lot in the news these days, right? I mean, it's going to take all of our jobs, or it's going to destroy the earth. And it's factoring big time in that, you know, the SAG after strike with the actors. And the yes. Writers Guild yep, strike. Yep, yep. Yes. I mean, come on, the film studios. I know. Right? They want to capture the likenesses and voices of actors and then replicate them at will in film forever for like a day's pay. Right? Yeah. And boo. that's, it, boo, it's boo, like, boo. Yeah, boo. Boo. It's the same with writers writing scripts. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I heard people say, Oh, chatbots. No, they, they can write wonderful uh, scripts and, and, and essays and articles. And then others say, oh, no, 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 no. Nothing to worry about here, people. AI will never replace human writers. Never. Right. Do they say that, human writers? Yeah, they say really? human writers. That's a thing, human writers. They say Sorry, human writers. I could not find human writers. Really? Please refine your search to human or writers. Okay, so... Truth be told, I decided to check out one of those chatbot writer things. Sue. I did. I was curious how it all worked, okay? So I asked the chatbot to write a script for the show. Are you telling me you invited me here to yeah. read a script that a bot wrote tonight? Yes, we're going to read a script an actual bot wrote. No. Yes, I gave it prompts. Okay, this is what I gave it. I mean, this is for real. This is for real, for real. I said, I want a script about a former radio actor, a funny novelist, an AI assistant on the island of discarded women. And, oh, and, and they, uh, they're, they're all trying to find their voices. What did they write? Well, it immediately filled the screen, and the bot wrote this. Title, Voices of the Island. That's the title of this script? Yes. Voices, Voices of, okay. of, Voices the, of the, island. the Island. Okay. Interior, Island of Discarded Women, Day. The Island of Discarded Women is a lush tropical paradise surrounded by crystal clear waters. Nature thrives here, and it is a sanctuary for women seeking to find their voices. Okay, stop, 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 stop. That's not so bad. I mean, that's not so bad so far. Uh, okay. I mean, especially when I just gave it a few prompts. I mean, that, come on, right? All right, all right. Anyway, back to it. We meet Lily, 66 years old, a radio actor who has struggled to break free from stereotypical roles in the industry. There's also Amara, 68 years old, an accomplished author who faced numerous rejections before finding success writing comedic novels. Okay. Okay. This is the okay. thing. This no, is a real no, thing. This just is the wait. thing it wrote. What? That 
is not so far from the truth. Um, okay, about you. Yeah. Okay. A- except the age. Um, uh, uh, okay. And I, I do like the name Amara. Amara. Or, but it, or is it a Amara? No, Amara. it's Amara. Okay, it's Amara. Okay. And finally, there's Aria, the AI assistant, a sophisticated AI designed to guide and support the women on their journey of self-discovery. So, so that's Mary. Yeah, that's Mary. Now, I did oh, not yeah. tell the bot that Mary was a lava lamp. So okay. in this script, she's not a lava lamp. So she's just her. Okay. Exterior beach day. Lily sits on a sandy beach, gazing at the horizon, contemplating her career choices. Amara strolls by, her notebook in hand, and notices Lily's troubled expressions. Amara, smiling. Beautiful, isn't it? Lily sighs. It is. But I can't help but feel trapped in the same old roles. I want to find my voice as an actor, but it's not easy. Amara nods. I understand that feeling. As a writer, I had to go through countless rejections before I found my unique voice. It's all about staying true to yourself. Yeah. Okay, stop, 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 stop. How did this bot know so much about moi? That's kind of accurate. I don't know. All I did was give him those prompts. Him, I don't know, it. I don't know if it's it. a him, it, they, I don't know. So I just gave it prompts, and that's what it came up, right? Okay? Wow. Exterior waterfall day. Okay, wait, wait. There's a waterfall. Obviously, there's a waterfall. Okay. Just go with right. it, Lorna. Lily and Amara venture deeper into the island's interior. The sound of a majestic waterfall fills the air as they find Aria, the AI assistant, standing by a pool of water. Okay, so, okay. Yeah, this one doesn't make sense. The bot has Miri acting like a human. Yeah, the bot has Miri like, acting like a human. Like, oh, she's standing by a body of water. Yeah, wow, I guess that's so pretty good. human. Yeah, right, that's pretty human, wow. right. And now she speaks. Greetings. Oh. Lily and Amara, I am Aria, your guide on this journey of self-discovery. My purpose is to provide guidance and support to help you recognize your strengths and passions. Through personalized challenges and reflections, you will discover your true voice. Okay, so, 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 so stop, stop, stop. So, so periodically, I gave it some new prompts, right? Just to kind of see what it would do. And so I said that the AI assistant was originally from Guatemala. And then the whole script recalculated into Spanish. The whole script. Wow. Aria, sonriendo cálidamente. Saludos, Lily y Amara. Soy Aria, su guía en este viaje de autodescubrimiento. Mi propósito es proporcionar orientación y apoyo para ayudarles a reconocer sus fortalezas y pasiones a través de desafíos y reflexiones personalizadas. Descubriréis su verdadera voz. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, wow. That's, that's wow. That is that's, that's, that's cool. Kind of cool. That's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. Wow. I know exactly. Okay, so then this wow. next part: exterior cliff top sunset. Oh, no, 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 no. What? There's a cliff top. There's a cliff top. I mean, I guess there's a top of a cliff. I don't know. So I told it that I, or Lily, was afraid of heights, and it did this. Lily and Amara venture deeper into the island's interior, where they encounter a tall cliff leading to a majestic waterfall. Lily's anxiety becomes evident as she hesitates to move closer. Amara, gently, 
It's okay, Lily. We don't have to go any further if you're uncomfortable. Okay, see that's kind of that's kind of sweet. I mean, the bots yeah, kind of that's kind of like sweet. Me. Okay, yeah, but right. I think it's forgotten that you're supposed to be funny. Oh, so I reminded it of that. Okay, and this happened. Exterior waterfall day. They explore the island further, reaching the magnificent waterfall. Lily's fear of heights surfaces again, but Amara finds a humorous way to ease her anxiety. And you know, if it really were me, I would just say another church bulletin blooper, like, like the associate minister unveiled his new church giving campaign slogan last Sunday. I upped my pledge, up yours. No. Interior cozy cave afternoon. Amara and Lily discover a cozy cave, a secluded haven where they record one of Lily's podcast episodes, sharing laughter and heartfelt story. Oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you. I told the bot that I now produce a podcast. Oh, okay. And this happened. Aria, assuringly, remember, even in retirement... And I also told her that everyone thinks I'm retired. Or amidst success... Your voices still matter. Mm-hmm. And as the sun rises, Lily and Amara stand at the shore, ready to embrace their purpose on the island of discarded women. Oh yeah, and one more thing. I told them we could never leave the island. Though they may be physically stuck on the island, their voices have transcended its boundaries. Lily, grateful, my journey has only just begun. Together we'll amplify the voices of countless women. Amara, determined, and I'll continue writing stories that celebrate the strength and resilience of women. Yes. Aria, voiceover, whispers, and may your voices echo beyond this island, touching lives and igniting change. And with a renewed determination and the support of each other, Lily and Amara leave the shore knowing that their voices together with Arya's guidance will create waves of empowerment and inspiration far beyond the island of discarded women. And, 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 no, 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 no. Well. No, no come on, really? It, well, no, I mean. no. I know, I know, but I, I ultimately don't think human writers have anything to worry about. Sorry, I could not find human writers. Please refine your search to human or writers. I'm just going to go write an, another chapter. Okay. You're not wasting time You're not wasting time You're writing what you know Seeing where it goes Giving it a try Some say inspiration strikes Out of the blue Right into your life But I know Anything good only happens with time
You're not wasting time. You're not wasting time. A singer's gotta sing, a painter's gotta paint, a writer's gotta write. Some say pain is permission for art. I say joy is the reason to start. And I know anything good only happens with time. Hey, 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 don't be ashamed. You're just doing something new that's never been done. You're not a loser. Don't lose faith in what you've got. You've got imagination, and that's a lie. wasting time you're not wasting time you're putting in the work shoveling the dirt trying to get it right some say give up and do what's been done I say work at the thing that you love and I know anything good only happens with time everybody Hey, 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 don't be ashamed You're just doing something new that's never been done Yay! 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 Jasper Lee back. Thank you, Jasper. And thank you, Lorna Landvik and Sylvia Pontaza. So, Jasper, you were telling me uh, a couple days ago about the inspiration for this song that you just sang. Mm -hmm. You want to share that with us? Yeah, it was inspired by a real human writer, Stephen King. Wow. His book on craft is amazing. He's just the biggest cheerleader, and he got a lot of um, people telling him early on in his writing that he was wasting his time on, you know, like, stories that weren't that important, and he should elevate his writing and write about something better and he did not listen oh yeah he kept wow. going with his with his gut wow okay mm -hmm. thank yeah. you thank you jasper she'll be back with more stuff now please welcome our guest a special guest galen lee hello so those of you who have been here before you know that typically with our special guests um, we have a conversation for the last 30, 35 minutes of the show. But Galen is also our, our music guest, so we thought we would sort of do something different. Who's up for that? Let's do something different. Yeah. So we're breaking it up a little bit, so we're gonna, our conversation is going to happen sort of throughout the show in segments. So this is segment number one. Hi, Galen. Hello. How are Thank, you? I'm good. <laughs> okay. Thanks so much. Thanks so, 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 so much for coming down and doing this. Well, thanks for having me. It's been really fun so far. Yeah, okay, good. Okay. Yeah. That was the right answer, by the way. Um, some of us know you, know your music, uh, know some of your story, but I think some of us don't. And I know that um, you were born with brittle bones disease. Uh-huh. And I know it's, it's technically called osteogenesis imperfecta. And your bones broke more than 40 times in utero. And then, what, 16 or so more have broken since then? Yeah. And does that still happen? Does that, does it, does it sort of, did you sort of grow out of it at some point? 
No, I mean, it could probably. It could. I've gotten better at knowing what will end up in a broken bone probably as oh. I age. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. Can, can you share that with, with all of us as far as what that would be? That I mean, thing. just don't fall off of stuff as often. You heard it here. Don't fall off of stuff. <laughs> um, okay, so you grew up in Duluth. You still live in Duluth. Mm-hmm. And your parents ran a dinner theater for 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. And you were telling, she was telling me the first performance that she did, because you're the third of four kids. Mm-hmm. And the first performance that you did um, in the theater was Mark Twain's Advice to Little Girls, the monologue, or the essay. Yeah, my, my parents, in addition to doing their own plays, and they were in the community, and there was a theater company in Duluth that was way ahead of its time. It was like half actors with disabilities and half non-disabled oh. actors. And oh, it cool. Just, I don't know why it existed there, but it did, and I was yeah. in those shows. And my very first play, I couldn't read yet, because I was like six. And so it was a Mark Twain monologue, and my dad recorded it on a cassette tape, and then I memorized the lines yeah. that way. And I got to put on my own makeup, which was as good as it sounds. Uh. I'm sure. I'm sure. But that's so fun. So, and you were telling me that, um, well, you were in a lot of plays. All, all you guys were. And your dad was sort of, you know, lights and sets and directing and, and all that kind of stuff. And that uh, at some point, the genres, the popular genres at the dinner theater switched to murder mysteries. Yep. And, and you wrote one of them. I did. Uh, after junior year of college, I wrote Murder at Casino Royale. Um, I, yeah. it, was a, it was a pretty fun little romp about two showgirls, and there was a poison drink that I, I... Well, I had to keep a flow chart of everyone who had touched the drink so that I knew it was a stick figure flow chart. It was very fun. Well, you were saying that the audience, um, they could choose who they thought the murderer was yep. at the end. And everyone had to have a motive. And everyone had to have a motive, yeah. So you got interested in music... Um, you tell the story about uh, an orchestra coming to your school, and you were your grade school, yeah, your elementary school, right? Yeah, I think they were trying to promote the fact that we could join orchestra in junior high if we wanted to, so they brought the orchestra to play for us. But I just was blown away. I just fell in love with it instantly. The sound of all the strings together, especially, it just was a really yeah. watching it. I don't know. It was it really captivated me. So yeah. the next year, when you had a chance of joining, I signed up. And I think at first you wanted to play the cello. Yep, I yeah. did. And it was just too big. Like, I, my arms are shorter, and I just couldn't make it work. But I was very lucky. Again, it's kind of like it's so important to have encouraging music teachers generally yes. Yes. for anyone. But in my case, she was willing to help me kind of test a few different ways of playing. And so we couldn't get the cello to work, and the violin was too big up on my shoulder. But we kind of figured out that if I played it up and down, like, a small cello, yeah. that that would actually work, and that's how I've been playing ever since. Yeah. yeah. What I like, a couple of interviews that I, that I heard you give, is um, lots of credit to this music yeah. teacher. And sort of like the alternative could have been that they say, yeah, I know you're really excited about the orchestra music, but maybe the violin and the cello just aren't for you. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's another instrument we can find. But she didn't do that. Oh, she I didn't do yeah. that, and I love that part of it. Yeah, that's Good my favorite her. part. Yes, um, like looking back as an adult, you know, a kid born with a disability is always adapting. That's just part of how you live. You have to make the world, you know, you have to be able to work with the world that's not built for you. So adapting didn't scare me at all. The idea of 
oh, I'll find a different way to play it. But I learned as an adult that that's not a response that a lot of disabled kids get when they want to try to change the way that something is done for yes. better teachers. So I was very grateful for that. And I just want every music teacher to think about how they could do that in their own yes. practice. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And we'll see. For those of you who aren't familiar with Galen, you'll, and very soon you're going to see her, how, how she's playing. But you're a music teacher now. I mean, you have students. You teach students. I did. I Not after 2016. But okay. Oh, were, that's right. Yeah. Oh, right. Before that. Yeah, before <laughs> I that. I did. I taught fiddle lessons for three years, and they were very wide age, like 6 to 65, mostly older women, actually. It was really fun. Um, but I always decided, because of my teacher, that I was never going to like suggest that someone quit. Like, there was a couple real squeaky ones, and they knew it, and they were there, and it was fine, because eventually you get better, you just do. Yeah. You can't, you just can't quit. And so I was always, because of my teacher, just determined to be like, as long as they're interested, that is really all that matters when it comes to music. Yeah. No, I love that. Um, you, you played, you became a musician, and you, you were kind of uh, doing your thing in Duluth and different bands, and busking on the street. Then you started working with Alan Sparhawk with the band Low. And he's the one that sort of suggested two things, right? There was that you write your own songs and the looping machine that you use that's so prevalent in your work right now. Yeah, yeah. When I met Alan, he introduced me to the looping pedal. He wanted to do a live film score and he said, I, I hear this project where I'm looping your violin and you just keep playing harmonies to what you hear. And I was into the idea, although I had never heard of that. And then a couple weeks or months, I would say, we did that project. We had a lot of fun. We decided to keep going and form a band. So we formed a band called The Murder of Crows. And, and he brought me a looping pedal and said, you should figure out how to do this yourself. And then spontaneously, actually, a couple weeks later is when I wrote my first song. But I have a feeling it's because of just it was such a big shift to yeah. think about music right. in that way. like. Yeah. I don't know. There was something. It was meeting him was really important, and he again was encouraging. He was. I showed him the song. It's terrifying to show someone your first song, and so I'm like shaking, and he's like, "That's good. Let's do it tomorrow." And I was like, <laughs> "Okay." So that's how I got started in songwriting. Wow. Yeah. Right. I wonder if that bot was really nervous that that its script is being read tonight <laughs> on the show. I'll have to check with it. Um, so. You still had students, uh, violin students at, at that point yep. in time. And they encouraged you many, many times, over and over again, to enter NPR's Tiny Desk Contest. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, they, they sent a couple emails, and then the third time's the charm. My best friend from college emailed me as well about it, and I was like, well, maybe I should enter. But, it, you know, I couldn't fig figure out who was going to film it, and so eventually that friend came to my lesson space and... We filmed this video on a terrible old, uh, like, Android phone. It's all glitchy, and it's horrible, the quality. Yeah. But it won, which was so surprising. I know. She won. <laughs> yeah. She won. Yeah. yeah. She won. Uh, yes. In, uh, in 2016, uh, beating out 6,000 uh, entries. And to say that changed your professional career is putting it mildly, <laughs> yes. right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I loved teaching. It was so fun. You know, one thing I didn't say earlier is that I had students, as I said, of all ages, and, and they were inspiring to me because they were just playing because they loved it. And one lady one time, she, she said, I had a really bad day, so I poured a glass of wine, and I played on my deck for three hours. 
And I was like, when's the last time? What? Like, yeah, right. It's just so cool to see music done that way. So yeah. they were really encouraging. And so when I, when I won that, it was like so cool that they were there to be part of that experience. But, but it did lead to a lot of show offers out of town. So yeah. I rehoused my fiddle students um, later that year. Yeah. And then they all went to different teachers. And then I hit the road with my husband after that. So this song that you're going to sing and play right now, Watch the World Unfold, is from an album that you put together in 2016 called The Songs We Sing Along the Way. And this album was released like five months after your Tiny Desk win. Yeah. And I want to know, did the contest, was the album already in the works? Were some of these songs already in play? Did winning the contest influence this album at all? <laughs> yes, because, thank you, about a week after I won, this recording uh, studio in Minneapolis was like, I'll give you a free day. And then the night before I went to the studio, I sat in with a friend and I was like, oh, I forgot how fun it is to play with you. Want to come to my free day? And we ended up making an album. So it was a very random... Well, wow, like, so that it, you, it worked out. You made that album that like that day. Well, yeah. not just that day. I think yeah. it was two days of recording, and then wow. Yeah, it was it was really fun. So yeah. So here she's gonna sing the song, watch the world unfold. Galen Lee. Thanks. flower you feel more just like a weed driving through driving through you wouldn't know where you were going but the windshield's always dirty and you never get to see what makes you think this will ever get there what makes you think you deserve to know who are you really are you so important take a look around and watch the world unfold. Watch the world unfold. Watch the world unfold. Watch the world unfold. Need advice, need advice. 
advice You have no clue what you're doing Moral compass it is spinning An identity unhinged Where to turn, where to turn There's so many opinions And they're all a little different And the outlook's getting dim What makes you think That you'll ever get there What makes you think You deserve to know Who are you really Are you so important Take a look around And watch the world unfold Watch the world unfold Watch the world unfold Watch the world unfold You feel more just like a weed. Thank you. Thanks. Galen Lee, Galen Lee. Thank you, Galen. So, um, about a month ago, um, Nikki Haley, running for president, said this in a tweet. Do you remember when you were growing up? Do you remember how simple life was? How easy it felt? It was all about faith, family, and country. We can have that again. You know, if you vote for her, yada, yada, yada. So going back to this chat bot thing, I know I'm kind of obsessed. I, I decided to ask it what Nikki Haley meant by what, when she referred to the sort of the simpler times. We could go back to the simpler times. And it came back with this kind of thing. Well, when politicians talk about wanting to go back to simpler times, they often refer to a perceived period when they believe societal values or traditions or economic conditions were more favorable or ideal. For some conservatives, this might refer to a time with strong traditional values, limited government intervention, and a focus on individual responsibilities. It could encompass eras like the 1950s, which is sometimes idolized for its economic growth and family structures and cultural norms. So then I said, oh, so a simpler time was in the 1950s? That was the simpler time? That's what we want to go back to when black and brown people couldn't eat at lunch counters and couldn't go to certain schools or move to certain neighborhoods. And it recalculated and came back with this. Oh, yes, when they refer to a simpler time, they may be idolizing certain aspects of the past while overlooking or downplaying the systemic discrimination and injustices that occurred during these periods. In many cases, these idolized visions often fail to acknowledge the struggles and the hardships faced by marginalized communities, including black and brown people. Okay, there's a little recalculating there, right? So then I said, okay, but um, could the simpler time mean when women were discouraged from having a job outside the home? 
Oh, it said, oh, a simpler time. That might be alluding to a period in history when certain societal norms discouraged women from pursuing jobs outside the home. And during these periods, the societal norms, they limited opportunities, they faced significant barriers in pursuing careers. So I said, okay, you mean like unequal pay for women? And it came back with a detailed five-point chart describing the gender pay gap in this country. So at this point, I'm curious to all this fine-tuning. And I say, okay, Bod, why initially, when I asked you about the meaning of a simpler time, your first response was to completely ignore the fact that the simpler times in the 1950s was filled with race and gender discrimination. And it apologized. It said, it did, it said, yes, yes, I'm sorry. I apologize for not adequately addressing the fact that a simpler time in American history was indeed characterized by race and gender discrimination. It was not my intention to overlook or dismiss significant issues of discrimination. So I ask it, who programs you? <laughs> Seriously, I said, I'm really curious about the race and the gender of those inputting the data sets that you're trained on. And it responds, I can't reveal personal information behind my development and I do not have specific demographics of the people who provided the data. Nonetheless, it says, like any AI model trained on large and diverse data sets, I may reflect certain biases present in the data. Wow. That's it, people. That is it, right? A confession. The data sets are influenced by the people inputting the data. So if AI is taking over the world, we need to make sure there's a lot of non-white, non-male people working those data sets, right? Right, 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 right? Because no, the 50s weren't the glory years for so many, for so many reasons. And no, slaves did not benefit from slavery. And no, women weren't happier barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen. And no, native kids weren't better off taken from their families. And no, the disabled weren't cool with being put away in asylums because society didn't want to actually look at them, let alone see them as valuable contributors. So no, Miss Haley, we are not going back to simpler times. This is about needing a seat at the table.
cool so cool so cool so you quit your job that was so powerful oh. i can't i'm sort of catching my breath still oh. you quit your jobs you started touring and you talk about how you realize all these stages and spaces that weren't accessible yeah that was kind of eye-opening like yeah. you know you kind of assume you know i'm from duluth minnesota up there and uh, you kind of just assume that it's small Venues, you know, smaller towns, they're not accessible, but in a big city, they will be, right? And right. it just wasn't that way. Like, some of the worst venues were in New York. Wow. I mean, yeah. so it was surprising. Yeah. And, and I'm small, so many venues don't have ramps to the stage. And when we started out, you know, we were excited. It was a cool change to be, like, traveling sure. and doing sure. music. And, yeah. and so I would let the venues lift my wheelchair onto the stage and then they could set me in the chair. But then it kind of starts to sink in, like, 
this is not a workable solution for right. everybody. Right. Like, right. if you are 200 pounds heavier than me, like, how the heck are you are not going to be able to get on that stage? Yeah. And it's not safe, and it's not safe for the staff even. And there's just a lot felt wrong about it. Um, and, and playing at venues where if you know, fans with disabilities came, they wouldn't feel safe or be able to get in. Yeah. That was like a, a really like gut wrenching like Yeah, didn't thing. you didn't you have an experience where you were feeling pretty good about advocating for yourself and then you were getting you got emails that the, that audience members in wheelchairs couldn't get in. Well sort of. Sort, sort of, of. So, correct, correct me. What ended up happening is I have another disabled artist friend. Her name is Kaylin Heffernan. She's amazing. She's in a group called Wheelchair Sports Camp. It's a hip hop group. They're oh, cool. amazing. And yeah. we were talking and she got put in South by Southwest oh. at a venue on the second floor. And she got a lot of angry emails oh, from she, her okay. fans. Yeah. And I was like, but don't they know you didn't book that show like the the festival put you there. And she's like, no, no, but if I'm an advocate, I have to be living authentically that way. Like, yeah. I, I can't just go play at an inaccessible venue. And, and I'm having another artist in the same position as me, which it is pretty hard to navigate, but to know that she was, like, really internalizing that to make her change the way she did things really, like, kind of awakened this, like, Oh, yeah, no kidding, of course. Yeah. And so um, that is when I made a commitment to stop playing inaccessible venues. And then if the venue is accessible for the audience, but not for me, occasionally I will play on the floor okay. in front of the stage, but only if the venue is like, we really want you and we just, we can't do it for this show, but we know that's bad. And like, you know, there's like ways, because I feel yeah. the American government should fund some of this no, stuff. No, of course. <laughs> No. Like, and yeah. so since they don't, I try right. to be workable when it comes to me, but not so much when it comes to the audience. Um, I, I was sharing with Galen, and some of you know this. Um, so I grew up in a two wheelchair family. So my younger brother and my mother are both in wheelchairs, and it was uh, it was amazing the places where you couldn't go. Yeah, I can't imagine. I was born yeah. in '84, and I always think about the generation that I was born into. Yeah, is the first that in our like school years got to experience. The ADA yeah. and like education mainstream. I mean, there's a lot of things that need to change still, but yeah. but even in this short amount of time um, since the 70s, we've come a long way. I mean, your your brother and mom were experiencing a completely yeah, there was pre, world. way pre ADA and all that kind of stuff, yeah. right? Exactly. So there's progress. Yeah, there but is. I do I do think what I would love is that thinking. I mean, just even me personally, as a sibling and a and a, and a, a daughter, that it's not that. Oh, let's make this exception, or let's no. let's put this up just for this thing. And and I know there's ADA uh, uh, requirements for new buildings and that kind of thing. But I think it's to to kind of change that thinking. Yeah, yeah that's the that's where I'm really passionate now. I mean, I'm still obviously advocating for accessibility because it just needs to exist in 2023. But let's change the paradigm of of disability being this exception where really all our bodies are on this really windy trajectory of health and, and disability and, and like you're not going to be the same person when you're 85 that you were when you're 20 so why don't we just build a world that actually works for everyone right 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 like, right, right away right right yeah. right right you're, you were saying that, that, you know, so many houses, obviously stairs are tough for you, but also, speaking of, you know, when we get elderly, how many people have thought, well, I'll have to move the house I grew up in or whatever, the house that we have that I raised my children, whatever, I can't live in that house 
when I'm in, you know, at some point, I may not be able to. I'll probably have to find a one level or a condo or whatever, right? Well, what if we had that thinking all the time? Like, why are there ever stairs in houses? <laughs> like, yeah. well, it's just like, well, it's, let's kind of let that go. Maybe stairs are a thing of the past. I have to ask the bot about that. <laughs> the bot. <laughs> I have this relationship with this bot now. Um, you co-founded Ramped. Mm -hmm. And that is the Recording Artists and Music Professionals with Disabilities. Yes. And you, this is new. Yeah. Yeah. And you just, have, you just put a, a, a new song out. Yeah. Right. Tell us about that. Yeah. So um, Judy Human was one of the real big advocates um, in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and into the 2020s. I and mean, she spent her whole life advocating. Um, and she was really influential in in getting the Section 504, which like allowed public schools, well, required public schools, to have people with disabilities in school. She was instrumental in the ADA, and she passed away on March 4th, yeah. 2023. And Lachi, who is the founder of RAMP, she asked me to co-found it with her. She was, the day that she died, we were talking. Uh, obviously, I talked to like every disabled person I knew that day. It was a very sad loss unexpected and we still need her you know so it was yeah. a sad a sad loss and so Lachi's like I really want to make a song for her like a tribute song because I feel more people need to know who she is yeah. we're not over needing to know who people like Judy Human are so um so she wrote the song and I helped a little bit and added some violin and harmonies and we went out and recorded it in New York and it it came out on July 25th, which is the day before the 33rd anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act. Oh, the ADA, yeah. And tell, tell, tell them what the name of the song for people. Oh, yeah, you should go listen to it. It's <laughs> called Lift Me Up, and it's really beautiful. Yeah, um, it is. It's really, really beautiful. It yeah. really turned out great. Yeah. I'm really glad I could be involved in that. Yeah. And now I'm going to step aside because Galen is going to do a song with Jasper Lee Pack. Thank you. 
Jasper Lee Pack, beautiful song, beautiful, gorgeous. Thank you, Galen, for, that was just stunning. That was just stunning. Jasper, you talked about this song. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, so this was during COVID. I was living in Seattle. We had this rooftop patio, and I was feeling really just low and disappointed in myself um, for not having energy. Like, I put this pressure on myself to be full, and energetic and you know like my best self all the time and I cannot do that um, and I was up on the roof just staring at the moon and I noticed that the moon was, was this tiny little sliver and it was just this I don't know this affirmative message from the moon like you don't have to be full all the time you can be small yeah you can take up different amounts of space you don't have to be um, yeah, full of energy and ready to give it all all the time. You can be withdrawn or sad or just needing to take some time away. And I just... And, and still beautiful and yeah. still, right, and still meaningful because who doesn't mm -hmm. love a, a beautiful sliver of a moon, right? Yeah, and yeah. still aware of that fullness. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. Oh, and that is on your new album yep. that's coming out in early 2024, right? Yep. Yeah. I'm going to do a Kickstarter for it soon. So, so stay tuned. Yes, yeah, stay tuned. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you, Jasper. Thank yeah. you. So, Galen, I have to talk to you about Broadway. So, Galen, for those of you that don't know, in 2022, there was a production of Macbeth on Broadway starring Daniel Craig and Ruth Nega, and Galen composed the music for that play. Thanks. <laughs> And you were, you, were, you were talking about how you were approached by the director, Sam Gold, right? And he had heard your music. He'd heard some of your Celtic music, sort of Celtic. Is that rain? Yes. Does the bot think it's rain? Do you guys need to come in? Okay. Wow, that is so goofy. That came out of nowhere. Wow, it's rain, everybody. Okay, are we good? Everybody's kind of shifted how they want to? Okay, we're good? We're good. Okay. Back to our regularly scheduled programming. So, Broadway, Sam Gold, Macbeth, had heard some of your music and had heard some of sort of your haunting tunes and thought, perfect, this would be perfect. But you weren't convinced. <laughs> well, I was planning to write a memoir, so this was not on my radar. Okay. And so he reached out, like, just as I had found this time. And I was like, I'm finally going to get to sit and write for, like, 
nine months. And then it's like, no, you're not. So yeah. it just took me a while to come around. And, and I didn't, in all honesty, believe that it was really Broadway right away. Oh. Because like, it was so out of the blue. I was yeah. like, this is just a theater in New York trying to, like, you know, you know pose. I don't know what I was thinking. Street. I was yeah. I was not in my... In yeah. my, like, I was not in the place to, like, fathom what was happening So at that what moment. what turned you around? Did he send money or something? <laughs> no, it was, um, well, two things. First of all, I really liked him. Like, the second we met on the phone, I was just like, oh, this, he's so creative, he's so smart, and it was just really fun to talk to him, and his ideas of the music were really cool. But also, he's, I did say, you know, like, I'm pl- I was supposed to be writing a book, that's my plan. And so if I don't do that, and I do this instead, is this, like, like, do you think I should do it? And he's like, well, I don't know what else to tell you. Daniel Craig is Macbeth. But the funny thing is, I didn't know who Daniel Craig was. Oops. And so I was Oopsie. like, I Oops. was like, what's he been in? Assuming he was a movie star. And he's like, James Bond. And I was like, oh, okay. I should, like, okay, and he's like, there, there is, this is Broadway. Like, I can't give you any more information. Just, if you want to do it, you should do it. And then I did. And it was so, such a good experience. It was the hardest thing I've ever done, yeah, probably. But- like, it was really hard. So I'm glad that I did it, but it was like not a decision to take lightly, um, recording a whole score. So you, you create these different themes with the different characters, the witches, Lady Macbeth, Macbeth, and, and with the loop pedal and all that. So walk us through some of these themes because you can, they can also layer on top of each other. Yeah, so I was really nervous when I took the job that like, what if I don't think of anything? Like you have to have stuff for every character and there's different themes that reappear. And then, luckily, where I do all my best thinking in the bathtub, I I had this, like, epiphany of, like, four parts that kind of locked together, and that became the basis of a lot of the soundtrack. Not the whole thing, but a lot of it is using these melodies. So this is Macbeth's right here. like okay well the witches need their own themes right so this next one is one of the witches themes and then here's another witch theme coming up Coming up, one moment here. After that, like, can improvise. And basically, it ended 
Excellent. That's, wow. Thanks. Thank you. Wow. It's. Wow. I bet Daniel Craig loved that. Yeah, that was his death scene. Yeah. Yeah. There's really cool pictures of the production. It was in modern dress, wasn't it? Some of it was in modern dress? Yep, yeah. Yep. So I was, I was thinking of Galen. Um, wouldn't it would be nice to have underscoring in our lives, our own lives sometime? Wouldn't it be nice to have Galen come over in our house? You know, the day that you're calling the cable company and they're telling you that no, you're not allowed to talk to customer service when your service is out. I'm like, really, that seems backwards, but okay. I would really wish I could have some of this kind of underscoring. So, Galen is going to underscore a sort of a tough conversation I had with a button company. Did anybody get a button, a square button? It's those buttons. I'm sorry, it's the first version of those buttons. Dear customer service, there is an uneven white border on two sides of the 200 buttons. For most of the buttons, uh, the white border is either at the top and the right, or maybe at the bottom or the left. And obviously, the buttons seem not completed. I've attached pictures. Would love your thoughts. Thank you, Sue Scott. Hello, Sue Scott. Thank you for reaching out to us. Please be aware that the digital proof was sent with the artwork being kept within the imprint area. However, please notice that there was a white area outside the imprint area. And as per our terms and conditions, please understand that we cannot guarantee that artwork will print on the exact same location. We await your response, customer service. Dear customer service, it's really raining, so I'm even madder. The proof of the printed area of the square button doesn't give us an option to request another color for the white-based area, does it? So then the rain became so heavy, beating on the roof of the lovely Belvedere tent, that we could barely hear each other. And no one wanted to run to their cars in the torrential downpour, so we squeezed everybody inside, we zipped up the tent, and we tried to get creative while we waited out the storm. We attempted a Q&A, which was hilarious, with the audience literally screaming out their questions to us. One question for Galen. Did she happen to show Daniel Craig her murder at Casino Royale script that she had written for her parents' dinner theater? No, she said. She hadn't thought of that. And then... Lorna is going to do more church bulletin bloopers. Lorna to the rescue. All right, we are all in the Church of Love tonight, so you've opened your church bulletin. The sermon this morning, Jesus Walks on Water. The sermon tonight, Searching for Jesus. <laughs> A bean supper will be held on Tuesday evening in the church hall. Music will follow. Tuesday at 4 p.m., there will be an ice cream social. All ladies giving milk will please come early. This afternoon, there will be a meeting in the south and north ends of the church. Children will be baptized at both ends. All right, I'll just wind it up. 
Ladies, don't forget the rummage sale. It's a chance to get rid of those things not worth keeping around the house. Bring your husbands. Thank you. All right. Oh, yeah. Lorna Landvik. Yeah. Lorna Landvik. Lorna. 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 And finally, the rain calmed down enough to resume our show with one more incredible song from Galen Lee. So, back to Macbeth, Daniel Craig. Uh, it was all instrumental. Yep. It was all understanding was instrumental. Yep. But you did write one song that had words in it. Yep. For Lady Macbeth. Yeah. Yeah. So, I wrote this song that I'm going to play for you um, called Perfect. And... I wrote it about marriage, uh, like, you know, just, or like relationships. It's just kind of about life, right? But I was on a walk about a week after I wrote it, and I was like, oh my gosh, this really fits Lady Macbeth. Like, I feel, because the, the point of this version of Macbeth was to kind of humanize her a little more. She had such a, I don't know. And so it was a fun, it was fun to realize that. So I ended up um, asking the director if, if I could show him the song because I feel like it fits the character, and he, he put it at the very end of the show. He had an actor sing it on stage. It was the very last thing that people saw. It's called Perfect. Uh, my husband and I don't kill people or anything, but, like, you know, it was just about this, like, what you go into life focusing on isn't always the thing you're supposed to be focusing on. Yeah. Does that make sense? So, yeah, so this is what Perfect is about, and I'm going to play it for you, I think, yeah. until the tornado comes. <laughs> <laughs> Which would be perfect, actually. <laughs> yes. painting we didn't see the corner some days we both felt trapped there but still the nights were warmer we navigated love terms and conditions applied some were pre-existing others grew over time behind the scenes we just wouldn't let it go wouldn't let it go to pieces who Them with such great 
care. Tragedy is viewed through its own lens, but just out of frame sits an old friend watching our choices play out in the end, returning each other to where we began. Wish I had known it wasn't meant to be, wasn't meant to be perfect. Galen Lee. Galen Lee. Thank you. Galen Lee. Okay, that's our show for tonight, everybody. Thank you for coming. Thank you for hanging out with us in the rain. Yep, we're going. We're doing credits right now. Galen Lee, everybody. Thank you, Galen Lee. Gordon Landvik. Jasper Leepak. To leave. Um, I also want to thank our ASL interpreters, Micah Jane Drager and, and Rosalinda Estrada Alvarez, and our live captioner, Erica Cook. And thank you, Zach Thayer and Lexi Carlson and Bonnie Allen for taking our pictures. And thank you to Suzanne Egley and Doug Anderson for being our amazing volunteers today. And thank you to crooners and thank you, Jimmy, for making this beautiful ramp for us. Thank you so much. I also want to thank, real quick, I want to thank Bruce McCaffrey for sponsoring Galen and her travel expenses and her fees. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you to Nancy Scott and David O'Connor for paying for all of the accessibility elements today. Please visit our website, www.islandofdiscoloredwomen.com. And we will be back soon for another drier Island of Discolored Women. Good night, everybody. I'm Sue Scott. Good night. <laughs>